Well, that uh, begins our sixth lesson or session, if you will, on, on the uh, series Gospel-Shaped Outreach. And, uh, of course, it says, How Should We Pray? And uh, Eric does an excellent job of sharing all that with us, and so much so that it's hard to pick up where he leaves off. But we're going to give it a try because we got time to kill, and you're here. And I wouldn't want to disappoint you with just going home too early. So I do want to carry on with what uh, he has said here and uh, begin doing that. If you could take your Bibles and turn with me to 1 Timothy chapter 2. 1 Timothy chapter 2. And when you get there, hold your marker there or your finger or whatever the case may be because we're going to turn to some other passages tonight besides that. Because uh, I want to follow up on these videos. I want to take a look at prayer as part of the series in, of our gospel-shaped outreach and how does it pertain to the gospel itself. So we're going to do that by asking a number of questions tonight. And one of them is, what part, if any, does prayer play in the giving of the gospel? He mentioned that we need to pray for boldness. We need to do that. Is that what we do? And would it be accurate to make a statement like this? Would it be accurate to say that prayer should be a top priority in the ministry of the gospel? And, of course, I'm sure most of our answers would be yes, but have you ever asked yourself, why would it be that way? Why would it be, or should it be, a top priority? Well, I want to look real quickly at the very beginning here of our lesson at a few passages of Scripture that will answer that question. So, with your finger here in, in 1 Timothy chapter 2, go back with me to Acts chapter 6. Acts chapter 6. And we have a passage of Scripture here. We're going to look at verse 1 in Acts chapter 6. Here the Bible says, Now in these days, when the disciples were increasing in number, a complaint by the Hellenists arose against the Hebrews because their widows were being neglected in the daily distribution. And the twelve summoned the full number of the disciples and said, It is not right that we should give up preaching the word of God to serve tables. Therefore, brothers, pick out from among you seven men of good repute, full of the spirit and of wisdom, whom we will appoint to this duty. Then it says this, But we will devote ourselves to prayer and to the ministry of the word. Here we read a, a, a statement that should catch our eye. We will devote ourselves, the disciples said, to prayer and to the ministry of the word. You know, these are two primary ministries. And guess which one came first? Yeah, this is a lesson, so you can answer that. Prayer. Prayer is what he, what he mentions first. Go on over to Ephesians, or Ephesians chapter 6. Eric had part of this Ephesians chapter 6 in his video. Well, we're going to take a look at another part. A very, all these are very familiar passages of Scripture. In Ephesians chapter 6, if you look at verse 13, the very familiar armor of God, he says, Therefore, Paul writes, Therefore, take up the whole armor of God, that you may be able to withstand in the evil day, and having done all, to stand firm. We've got to fix this here. Should it go up or down, Jeremy? Up. Sticking under my chin. Is that better? 
I'll let you know if it's not, or you'll notice if it's not. Let me start again. Verse 13, Therefore take up the whole armor of God, that you may be able to withstand it, withstand in the evil day, and having done all, to stand firm. Stand therefore, having fastened on the belt of the truth, of truth, having put on the breastplate of righteousness, and as shoes for our feet, having put on the readiness given by the gospel of peace, in all circumstances, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming darts of the evil one, and take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God. And then verse 18 says, Praying at all times in the Spirit with all prayer and supplication to that end. Keep alert and with all perseverance, making supplication for all the saints. Praying at all times with alertness for the saints, he says. Think about this. Prayer is a, an indispensable weapon in the battle against evil. And we need, to, we need to practice it. We need to use it. We need to make sure that we understand it. Uh, otherwise, we are, we are weaponless, if you will, against it. I know some of you here have served in the military, and you've trained, and maybe some of you here have even been in, in battles before, and one of the things you check before you leave is to make sure you have all the equipment you need, all the weapons you need, all the things you need. You know, you can have all the, all the rifles you want, but if you forget to bring ammo, they're not much help. Right? So you, you, you do a check. You make sure you have the things that you need. Prayer is one of these things that we need to fight against evil. Over in Hebrews chapter 4, if you'll turn there. Hebrews chapter 4. If you look with me in verse 15, Hebrews 4.15 says, For we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but one who is in every respect has been tempted as we are, yet without sin. And then verse 16 says, Let us then with confidence draw near to the throne of grace that we may, that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in time of need. I like this passage of scripture because it says, with confidence, draw near to the throne of grace. Do you realize that Jesus wants us to come to him as our first recourse, not as a last resort? To receive his mercy and to, his, and, and to receive his grace. So think about this. If, we're, if, we're, if prayer is an important part of the gospel, we should go to prayer when? First, or at least very early on. Okay, you don't, you know, this is like lesson time, so there's a quiz right after this, right before we leave. And Pastor Tim made the quiz. And how many here have ever been in an institute class with Pastor Tim and had to take one of his tests? Okay, so you better, you need to pay attention, because I'm just kidding. The ushers are back there wondering, well, I didn't get the quiz. Are we supposed to hand out that quiz? There's not really one there. James chapter 4. Turn with me to James chapter 4. Another thought on prayer and its importance. In James chapter 4, look at verse 2. James writes, You desire and do not have, so you murder, you covet, and cannot obtain. So you fight and quarrel. Then he says this, You do not have because you do not ask. Think about this. You do not have, James says, because you do not ask. James is being very honest. He's being honest with his readers why things are the way they are. 
It's because they haven't approached God in prayer. They haven't conversed with God. They haven't talked with Him. They haven't asked Him about their situations. And over in Philippians chapter 4, Philippians chapter 4, if you'll look there with me. In Philippians chapter 4, back too far. Look with me in verse 6. Paul writes, Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God, and the peace of God which surpasses all understanding will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Easy to say, but he says here, be anxious for nothing, but tell God your request. Let, let him guard you in his peace. That's what he's saying here. That's the best way to stop worrying. That's the best way to stop anxiety. We need to, we need to pray. We need to converse with him. So I believe that would be accurate to say that prayer should be a priority in the ministry of the gospel. Wouldn't you? Just by those verses alone, there are many more. And if you think about it, if you're overwhelmed with things in life, what should we do? Pray. This can be on the test. Okay? should be easy. If you're, if you're under spiritual attack, what should we do? Pray. If temptation is getting the better of you, what should we do? Pray. It should be one of the first things we do. Prayer should be a priority for us all. It should be. And so with that in mind, I'm going to continue to ask you some questions. And the first one is, how are we to pray? How are we to, or I should say, how are we to apply this thought that prayer should be a priority? Well, back in, in 1 Timothy chapter 2, this is where we're going to stay now. How should we apply this thought that prayer should be a priority in the ministry of the gospel? Well, Paul writes this in the very first verse. He says, first of all, then, I urge you that supplications, prayers, intercessions, and thanksgiving be made for all people. I want you to notice, again, that prayer is the primary part of ministry. He says this, first of all, I urge you. First of all, I urge you. Listen, when, when we get busy, and this is what happens sometimes, when we get busy with ministry and things, even, even giving out the gospel, and when our plates get full, does that ever happen? Our plates get, get so full, and get, get, they become quite full, something has to come first. And you know what Paul says it should be? Prayer. First of all, he said, first of all, then I urge that supplications, prayers, intercessions. He goes on to say that. That something is prayer. He doesn't, he doesn't merely suggest it here as a good idea. You know, I know you guys are busy. I know you're busy in the things of the Lord. I know you're serving Him. You know, maybe it'd be a good idea to, to pray sometime. That's not what he's saying. He's saying, first of all, pray. He tells Timothy that's got to come first, and he urges him to give it the attention it desires. So that's how we are to apply this, this, this fact that it is a priority. Now there's another question I want to ask. What should this activity or what should this prayer look like? In verse 1, we still it gives us an idea here, and it gives us in many other places, but right here in verse 1, he says, I urge you that supplications, prayers, intercessions, and thanksgivings be made for all people. First of all, there's supplications. Some Bibles will say petitions. Okay? That actually means to, to make a request, to make a request to, to satisfy a specific need 
or a type of need. That's what he's talking about here. That's the supplications. It gives us a sense, if you think about it, it gives us a sense of, of our weaknesses, that we can't always do everything. We can't know everything. We need God, and we need to pray for his strength and for his wisdom. And also, in our weaknesses, helps us to humbly approach his throne, correct? Because of our weaknesses. So these, these petitions we make is to, is to request a, a specific or to satisfy a, a specific need. Then he says prayers. And what he's simply talking about here in prayers is, is something of a very personal and specific, genuine conversation with God or with Jesus Christ. That's what prayer is. We're conversing with God. We need to understand that, that uh, our prayers amount to more than just wishful thinking. Or our prayers amount to more than just, if I pray, it's kind of like rubbing the magic lamp. Okay? That's not it at all. Prayer allows us, prayer allows us the, the, to, to converse with the God of the universe. And that is a thought that should blow our minds when you think about it. We can converse with the God of the universe and he cares for me. And he cares for you. He wants to listen. He wants you to pray. Then he says intercessions here. And this is, is to submit, in a, in a to de, the definition is to submit an a, a official request. Okay, that's what he's talking about here. In other words, it's a request on someone else's behalf. So you're praying for someone else. You're praying for others for whatever reason. We have an example of it here at our church. We have a prayer list on Wednesdays and we pray for others, their needs, their, the things that are taking place in their life. He says make intercessions as well. Then he says thanksgiving. Thanksgivings. Folks, this is an important part of prayer. It's mentioned numerous times throughout Scripture. It is an important ingredient to prayer when we pray. We should be ready to thank God for His provisions. We should be ready to thank God for the provisions that we are asking for as we pray. It is not a time for grumbling. It is not a time for complaining. It's a time for thanksgiving. God already knows if you're a grumbler or a complainer. Correct? So, think about that. That is, that is what prayer briefly should look like. There's another question, though. Who are we to pray for? And verse 1 gives us a good start on that. He says, first of all, then I urge that supplications, prayers, intercessions, and thanksgivings be made for all people, for kings and for all who are in high positions. First of all, he says here, all people. It doesn't matter what race they are. It doesn't matter what gender, what nation they're coming from, what their status is in life or in, in society or any other distinguishing factor. It doesn't matter what it is. As Paul was writing to uh, this to Timothy, you got to think about this. I wonder if Timothy was thinking, Paul wants me to pray for Nero, who was the ruler of his day, who was a Christian killer. He wants me to pray for him. That's right. There are no, there, there's no qualifier in this text that says, pray for all people, pray for those in high places, except for Nero. I understand why you wouldn't want to pray for him. Or 
bad rulers. I understand why you wouldn't want to pray for bad rulers, whatever that may be. He doesn't say that. All who are in authority, think about this, whether they, whether they abuse that authority or not, or even, even, if they don't even, even if they don't recognize that the authority they have was given to them by God, it doesn't, that doesn't matter. We are still to pray for them. If you think it's hard to pray for those in authority today, imagine trying to do it in Timothy's day. I wonder, I wonder what would happen if we prayed for those in authority, as the Bible says there, as often as we criticize them. Think about that. Whether it's the president or those running for president, or whether it's senators or representatives, whether they're federal government or state government, doesn't matter whether it's mayors or governors or councilmen or school board members or whatever the case may be. This is why this is important. Think about this. These are the people who can influence the society we live in. And they need our prayers. Wouldn't you agree with that? They need our prayers. And, 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 they can and they can have, our prayers can have an influence on them. God can still work because we pray. He can still do things because we pray. Think about that. Sometimes we, we just not, first of all, we don't pray for ones we don't like very often anyhow because we don't like them if they're in positions of authority. There's not a person in this place, I don't think, I could be wrong, but I'm pretty sure that would say, a, 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 a person in authority, you would say, you would say I, I, I don't think we should pray for them. We would all say we need to pray for them. Correct? But how often do we pray for them? How often do we really believe praying for them may change something in their life. I think I was talking to Pastor Tim or Pastor Chad or I don't know who it was. Everybody starts to look alike after a while. And uh, we're talking about one of the things that I think really hinders me and many Christians today is it is for many of us has been such a long time since we have heard a testimony or maybe even know of someone whose life has changed drastically because of the gospel. And because and, uh, sometimes I truly believe we think some of those people in authority over us could never change. And, and the picture in our minds that that's, that's, we have a person in authority over us, the picture in our minds that God got a hold of their heart. I mean, just, just picture this. I want you to think of this. I, I hate to pick on him, but he seems to be like the one that's easiest to pick on. So I'm going to pick on our president, okay? And I, I don't believe he's a believer. He, I haven't really followed up on that. I don't believe this, but that's say he's not. And all of a sudden, we read in, I don't know, some magazine or it's on the news or whatever, that, that yesterday he came to know Jesus Christ as his personal Savior. What would be the first thought in your mind? Praise the God, and I want to wait and see it. <laughs> Isn't that true? Sometimes it might be the other way around. I want to wait and see what he does, and if he does the things I think he should do, praise God. Because it's hard for us sometimes to really, to really remember or know a, drastic, a person who's had a drastic change in their life and has authority over us. 
It's hard for us to grasp that, I think, sometimes. And hence, that hinders our prayers. But we need to pray for those. They need our prayers. Don't wait for them to come become believers before we feel they need our prayers. They need our prayers now. They need our prayers the way that they govern, and they need our prayers to, to, to know Christ as Savior if they're not saved. That's who we're to pray for. Here's another question. Why are we to pray? Look with me in verse 2 again. It says, For kings and all who are in high positions, that we may lead a peaceful and quiet life, godly and dignified in every way. This is good, and it is pleasing in the sight of God our Savior, who desires all people to be saved and come to the knowledge of the truth. Listen, folks. Prayer, prayer can influence authorities to create an environment that allows Christians to live in peace and to give opportunities to share the gospel. There are many places that they don't have those opportunities. They don't have that freedom. And some of you may be saying here, well, I know it's changing here in the United States too. And it may be. But as of right now, we have that freedom to share the gospel many, 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 many different times and many, many, many different opportunities to do that. The government doesn't stop us. Another thing that, why are we to pray, is for the, the ultimate purpose to pray, is for the purpose of spreading the gospel. As the video pointed out, we need to pray for laborers. We need to pray for boldness. We need to pray for faithfulness. We need to pray for opportunities. We need to pray for wisdom. It fuels the mission, as Eric said in the videos. So we're to pray for our, we're to pray for our leaders, Christian or not, we are to pray that, that they come to faith in Christ. If they don't know Christ, we need to pray that their decisions will honor God. We need to pray that, that all those in authority and all those around us, all people, that God would reach into their souls if they're not saved and save them. This is why we are to pray. It is the first thing we are to do. Finally, the last question, how does prayer relate to the gospel? Well, first of all, let's look at, at, look, let's look at its motivation, which is salvation. That's how it relates to the gospel. Look with me in verse 3. Once again, it says, This is good, and it is pleasing in the sight of God our Savior, who desires all people to be saved and come to the knowledge of the truth. Listen, God wants us to pray because it's pleasing to him. Do you see that? It's pleasing to him. It, 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 he has established prayer as part of, our pro, of the process of salvation. God desires the salvation of all people. That's what it says. Isn't that good? He desires the salvation of all people. So as Christians, his desires should become our desires. Right? Paul shows us God's concern for all humanity. Even though he knows some will not be saved, his desire is that all men, all people, are to be saved and come to the knowledge of the truth. That's the motivation. But then there's the doctrine, which is ransom. Look at verse 5. It says, For there is one God and there is one mediator between God and man, the man, Christ Jesus, who gave himself as a ransom for all, which is the testimony given at the proper time. Verse 5 says that there is one God. 
This truth alone, that there is one God, this truth alone distinguishes Christianity from many other religions who have multiple gods. And here it says there is one God. Think about this. There is one God, one holy, one pure, one perfect God. And if that's the case, how can sinners relate to him? He says, through a mediator. That's what he says in this passage of Scripture. And the only mediator between God and mankind is Jesus Christ. Only Jesus can bridge the gap between us and the God of the universe. Then he says here in verse 6, who gave himself as a ransom for all, which is the testimony given at the proper time. Ransom simply means that it's an exchange. It's, it's an exchange for something. In, in the New Testament here, it would, it would have been related to paying a price for a slave or redeeming a, redeeming a prisoner of war. In other words, Christ exchanged his life for whose? For ours. That's what he did. That's what the ransom, that's what he's talking about here when he ransomed, when he ransomed, uh, gave himself as a ransom for all. So, think about this. So for a holy and pure God to, to, to come together with sinful humanity, a bridge had to be built. You guys all seen those tracks, right? A bridge had to be built. Jesus, the God-man, is that bridge. He is, he is the bridge. By paying pe sin's penalty on our behalf, which meant giving his life, he enables us to, to cross the bridge of his sacrifice into the loving arms of God our Father. That's what it is. Prayer is a part of that. There's another way that uh, uh, prayer uh, relates to the gospel, and that's in its purpose. It's to proclaim the gospel. And look with me in verse 7. Paul continues to write, For this I was appointed a preacher and an apostle, and I am telling the truth, I am not lying, a teacher of the Gentiles in faith and truth. The gospel is a message that must be communicated. Our prayers must be driven by a passion to share the gospel. And that's what Eric was talking about. That's why there's many areas in which we can pray, and we should be praying first about that. Here in this passage of Scripture, God appointed Paul to three roles here in, in, in verse 7. Look what he says. He says, for this I was appointed a preacher. That's the first role. A preacher is someone who, who, who tells the story of Jesus Christ. It is someone who brings a, a proclamation that is, that is not his own, but which comes from the king. The Bible says we're to preach the gospel to all the world. So it's not just a preacher, preacher up here. It's you out there as well. Paul was God's mouthpiece, and he was to announce the king's good news. That's what we are to do through prayer, by prayer, in prayer. He also says he's an apostle. He says, for this I was appointed a preacher and an apostle. And the apostle is simply an office, uh, uh, which literally means one sent forth or one sent out, if you will. And it's someone who is an official envoy from a, from a ruler. So what Paul's saying here, Paul was an official representative of Christ. If you're here tonight, you know Jesus Christ as your Savior, guess what you are? You're an official representative of Christ. Your testimony matters. 
Your actions matter. Your reactions matter. Your lives matter. What you say matters. Then he goes on to say, I am telling the truth, I am not lying, a teacher of the Gentiles in faith and truth. He calls him a teacher. Paul was to be a teacher to the Gentiles, and his focus was to be on the gospel. All of these have but one goal, and that is, that is for, for someone to have a changed life by the gospel. That's why prayer is so important. It is so important. It reveals us the, uh, that God is, to us that God is not cruel. God is not distant. God does care. God does listen. Why else would he provide a way for us to come to him if it wasn't important to him? You ever think about that? It's important also, prayer is, for the plan of salvation. In it we find the motivation, if you will, for the gospel message. To first pray. Pray for boldness, as we've already heard. And witness and opportunities, and the list goes on and on and on. And we also see the importance of prayer and world evangelism. You know how I know that? Look at, the, look at how many times, look at the repetitive use of the word all in this passage. It should remind us that the gospel is for the entire world. First one, first of all. Then I urge that supplication, prayers, intercessions, and thanksgiving be made for some people. For all people. For kings and all who are in high place or positions. That we, that we may lead a peaceful and quiet life, godly and dignified in every way. This is good and it is pleasing in the sight of God our Savior who desires all people to be saved and come to the knowledge of the truth. For there is one God and there is one mediator between God and men, the man, Christ Jesus, who gave himself as a ransom for all, which is the testimony given at, this pro at the proper time. The importance of prayer is important for world evangelism because it encompasses everyone. It is the gospel for the entire world. Now, before we end, I just want to ask a couple questions. A couple more questions, I should say. What are some reasons we fail to pray for the gospel in advance? You don't have to answer. I just want you to think about it for a moment. What are some of the reasons we don't pray first, or maybe at all? For the gospel. Sometimes maybe we think God isn't interested in some people. You know? I think there's a whole bunch of answers to this. Maybe, maybe we really don't care. As long as one is sincere in what they do, we don't really need to pray for that. Maybe we don't really think prayer does matter. Or maybe we really don't think prayer makes a difference. I know some people who are really good with people and they're, they're great salesmen of the gospel. They don't really need prayer. They just have that knack. Maybe we just don't want to. Maybe that's it. And the list could go on and on and on, I think. You get the idea. Think about it. If you are like this and you have one, a number of excuses not to be praying, praying in the gospel... 
to reach others, then maybe it's time we should change. Amen? Let's bow our heads. We'll have a word of prayer. Lord, I am so grateful for your word. And Father, I'm thankful that we have the privilege to come before your throne. Father, I hope that through this lesson that you've helped us all realize that prayer is a very, very important part of the gospel message. Thank you, Lord, for that. Thank you for pointing that out to us tonight through your word in Jesus' name. Amen.